Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Hey, guys, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, Shad. Uh, I'm surviving. Someone someone wheeled a giant egg up to my house, and I don't know what... (laughs) It might be a new wrestler. Oh, hmm. Guys, these sound like they might be segues. They are segues. <laughs> it's that time of year. Uh, we're recording in November for this episode, which means we're right around American Thanksgiving. And so we are going to be getting into, well, given that the genesis for this event was around Thanksgiving, we're going to talk a little bit about <clears throat> the concept of the Survivor Series. Isn't that right? Act- it used to actually be on Thanksgiving night. It did. I, quite I, a while. I, I don't fault them for not doing that, though. Well, that, I think, I think, um, I think back in the day, like having like your local promotion having a big wrestling show on Thanksgiving night was like a thing. Hmm. I think Starcade was on Thanksgiving, and that's like kind of the genesis of Survivor Series was in like Vince's um, battle against uh, Survivor Series on pay per view. I mean, well, I mean against like Crockett on pay per view. Oh, anything you can do, I can do better. Well, no, this thing that they were doing for a while, where if you were to carry like a WWE pay-per-view, you couldn't have another wrestling company's pay-per-view on within so many days of a WWE pay-per-view. Weren't they trying to do that again not long ago? I don't know. I know I know. pretty much they were doing that, and then Turner bought WCW, and it stopped because... Um, You're not going to you know. outspend them. Yeah, it, well, and, and the other thing is they were doing a lot of counter-programming at the time, which then they stopped doing when Clash of the Champions won, like just devastated WrestleMania four. Didn't they, they actually got in big trouble? Yeah, I was gonna say, like, didn't that uh, didn't that bring in the FEC or something or the SEC or something like that? Which one? I don't, I don't know about that, but I know like they caused a stink where like high level people were went to WCW and was like, cannot do this. I knew something uh, happened. Chad. I couldn't remember the specifics. Yes, Matt. Chad, I wanted to play something for you. I'm listening. True <laughs> Survivor, Chad. <laughs> An amazing song by David Hasselhoff. <laughs> From the movie Kung Fury, which everyone needs to see. You know who's, like, rocking out right now? Christy Petrillo, friend of the show, Christy Petrillo. <laughs> who I know loves that show, uh, loves that movie. <laughs> oh, man, I've heard of Kung Fury, but I've never watched it. You need to watch it. It's actually, like, a, a fun movie. It's just, it's one of those movies that it's, like, it it throws, like, eight different genres, blends, puts them in a blender, like, you regurgitates them. And just puts them on like a movie that's I think I, I think it's even like seventy minutes, eighty minutes something. It's like ridiculously it's short compared to everything right. else. And they just try to be like we're gonna be as ridiculous as it. I think there's even like there, there's I think there's Nazis. I think there's like dinosaurs. <laughs> it's 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 bizarre. Are there uh, Nazi dinosaurs? 
maybe. It's worth your time, though. It's an uh, absolutely bizarre movie, but it's fun. Okay. All right. I think I'll... it's on Netflix. I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. I think it's how I saw it. Okay. Uh, I have been in this, uh, I don't know. Man, I'm on the verge of, of not having Netflix anymore. Just there's not enough on there that I watch regularly. No, I'm often reduced to watching um, <laughs> reruns of Netflix. But no, actually, I want to watch that Pluto anime they just added because that's supposed to be really good. And I've almost, I know Shad would never do it, but I almost like have suggested we watch Neon Genesis Evangelion over a course of like several episodes for the oh. show. I feel a vacation coming on. <laughs> but that's I'm... a little, that, that show's a little. Uh, it's a good show, but it's it's a bit much to dig into. What was the, the uh, what was the phrase I once heard someone use? There are some people that ascribe way more depth to that show than it deserves. I don't. I mean, know. It, has depth. it has depth, but people always like even with stuff with depth, people like go way too deep into. Stuff like I'll even use a good one like The Shining. There are people who get way too deep into that, and I think put way too much um, talk into that. I did find a fun fact out about um, The Shining, though. What's up? So you know, like the big room that he's doing like the the writing in, yeah, and like throwing the baseball in. So that's a sound studio in Britain, and they repurposed that for the Snake Pit in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? Yeah. That was a huge change. Yeah. Huh. And also, they were in a building for the Overlook. Those were all sound. Those were all like sets. Right. I knew that. I knew the interior shots were all sets. Because which actually kind of shocked me though, because the thing with the Overlook. Is like they, it's so pieced together well that it legitimately shocked me that it wasn't a real building. Like, I knew it wasn't a real building because there's the, um, there's the fact that, uh, it was set up that they could move pieces of the set around, uh, in order to get certain shots or to, um, like change the vibe. You remember that there's a scene early in the movie, in the middle of the movie, when Danny's riding his bike around inside of it, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you see, like you get the idea of how it's supposed to be laid out, and then later on, Jack's wandering around. Jack, um, <laughs> you know, he's wandering around, and it's not laid out the same way because they were able to to move stuff around and change the layout with the um the way the set was built like i knew about that part but it also it is together very seamlessly so yeah i just read doctor sleep a week ago too so ah, it's fresh in your mind I'm, yeah a little knee deep in um shining stuff so survivor series we were going to be digging into uh what specifically tonight I think we're just going to talk about memories of it. We're going to do an episode. We're going to we're going to pick one and do next week. But I think memories of it, like what we think of the show, what it was then versus what it is now. Um, I think highlights, lowlights, and that sort of thing. Okay. They're kind of 
coming away and going back from um, the Survivor Series concept, why I don't think it's very good now because it's the stupid, um, like, oh, it's brand versus brand, and hey, this guy that's been on SmackDown for 10 days is, like, all about, like, SmackDown now. I remember the the one there was one promo that just for me encapsulated my issue with doing those kinds of things and it was when it was the Kurt Angle was doing his GM stint and it was Jason Jordan trying to plead his case to be on whichever team and he's doing the full spiel. He's like, but this is Survivor Series. The only time when superstars from Raw and SmackDown go one-on-one with each other. I was like, holy shit. That is so tremendously... I'm gagging a little... Like, I'm not even mad at Jason Jordan for delivering the line. Like, well, I mean, he had to... He, he had that to line was force-fed. Yeah. But... It was so bad that the whole, like the whole brand versus brand thing, I was put off just so very hard by it. I was just like, oh, 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 I'm, I'm gagging and vomiting at the same time. I'm vomiting, and I, I wanted nothing to do with it. It that the brand splits, you know, Survivor Series thing. I'm out, man. There, there's there's nothing on the line. There's no point. It's part of I don't like the current product because, like, it's part of that series of, oh, well, we have to do this because, well, it's it's September. We have to contrive up a Hell in a Cell match. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Or, or like, it's like, oh, we're having war games. So, like, we have to, like, throw the women in because, like, we have to have the men and the women doing it. The the you fact that has like a like a storyline purpose for it. Yeah, it, the building the the pay per view around the gimmick instead of putting the gimmick into the feud. Yeah, that bugs the hell out of me too. I really hate that. And I like the concept of like Survivor Series, which I, I hate the brand thing. But like, it, what's wrong with when it used to be just like a fun one off night with weird teams? Like that's so, kind of what the series used to be. That. That's what I loved about Survivor Series. Uh, I I will go on record. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast several times before. But to me, my favorite gimmick match of all time is War Games. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna. So I don't go crazy. I'm not gonna go into them fucking shoehorning the WWE version of, of War Games into Survivor Series now. But War Games traditionally, as it was. Uh, like the NWA version. Um, maybe if you want to consider like the AEW's like blood and guts as like a, a spiritual successor to war games. Like That's I war games one. is my favorite gimmick match. My second favorite gimmick match. Uh, people may be like, Oh, I love first blood. Oh, I love cage matches. I love this and that. No, my second favorite gimmick match of all time, the traditional four versus four or five on five. Uh, elimination match that mm-hmm. was the staple of Survivor Series essentially for like at least a decade 
probably. Yeah. I think they still went with it uh, as late. They did, like, multi-elimination uh, matches, I think, at least as far as, like, 97, 98, maybe. Mm-hmm. Before it then just became, like, maybe, like, one, tra- quote-unquote, traditional Survivor Series match, that's- like, a, a show. But I love that match. So I lo- that's what I loved about Survivor Series back in the day. Like, that, the old school, the, the earlier stuff was, like, you have these random pair-ups of teams uh, facing against each other in, a, in elimination matches. What were you going to say, Brad? Uh, I was at... Oh, hold on. I was looking at... No? Um, I was trying to see if, uh... If the 98 Survivor Series is that stupid... Oh, yeah, it is that stupid tournament for the vacant WWF title. Oh, the, the Deadly Games Rock... tournament? Yeah. The worst tournament ever. It's like the only point of pride that Vince Russo can hang his hat on, I think. Yeah, 97 did have, like, a traditional um, Survivor Series up until, like, the Montreal Screwjob. I was going to say, Survivor Series is up there, but my favorite gimmick match after War Games, and again, like, it's something they ruined. It was my favorite, well, pay-per-view slash second favorite gimmick was the Royal Rumble until about 2015. Hmm. And that's really they. That's that's been actively bad for a long time. Like I can't mm-hmm. think of the. I can't think of the last good Royal Rumble. It's it's not been great on the Royal Rumble front because AJ debuted in was the last good one. Uh, the one AJ debuted in. The one where Roman had to like. To... survive the whole Survivor Series from one to keep the title and then Triple H won. I think that's the last like decent rumble they did. Okay. I mean, I'll concede decent. Because um... that, that was also the one that Braun like, debuted and like beat up Brock, I think. <clears throat> I do not remember. Like, I, The biggest memory I have from that was AJ's debut. And then the 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 rumble where Brock was just the idea is he was kicking the crap out of everybody. That and I, was off. Yeah, I was not happy about that one. It was like they were doing the exact same thing again, except they were burying a lot of people to do it too. Um, except Riddle, like- Riddle, Riddle getting catching the Yeetus Deletus out of the ring as soon as he got there. That that made me laugh. Yeah, I think, I mean, because I think, like, up through, like, the first decade of the Rumble, there was maybe, like, one bad, one or two bad ones. But it was always, like, entertaining. So, I think my favorite modern era Survivor Series is is soured by the fact that the follow-up was... It, it oh, was yeah. not only like, terrible... Uh, but it was it was an active detriment to someone that it should have been a rocket on his back, and it Never was the twenty fourteen um, team Cena versus Team Authority, where mm, if yeah. the Authority wins, then they're all fired, and uh, you know if Cena's team wins, then something happens. And Dolph Ziggler did a 
fan-damn-tastic job on that show. He he was... I, I think he was legitimately great in what he was doing. I felt like his role of just being plucky and it's there at the end of the match and just one by one he's just barely pulling these uh, these knockouts out and just barely scraping by and getting eliminations and there's and more the and more shenanigans and the crowd is progressively getting more and more behind him as like the hope builds yes yeah and and at the end whenever and this this also helps but you get to the end and it's like <clears throat> the um they're getting ready to just absolutely screw everything. And then Sting shows up and he's like, we ain't doing this. And, it, you know, because, I mean, Matt, Matt, it, 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 can you do the call there? Because uh, I don't think I can get the right register for uh, I, for who it is. It's Sting! <laughs> uh, that's, that was probably, if you want to, like, look at his career that's probably like Ziggler's uh defining moment yeah like, I, I would, that's I probably would say, the peak of his career i would say it's second to him cashing in the money in the bank on raw maybe um i feel like this one is the one you're gonna people remember it, the, the problem with this is he should to this day still be living off of off of this match yeah like they should like commentary should still be talking about this yeah this particular match was such a big deal for ziggler to pull off that you're right this this should have been the rocket on his back that went to the top and instead they had him go out there the next night on raw and just basically kill it out of his own mouth and they well then they brought the authority they just brought the authority back like a week later anyway because Cena brought them back because because god forbid we not have the authority for like four years straight yeah it was let me see i'm trying to i I can't even find it but you know the next night ziggler comes out and cuts a promo and it's like Oh, you know, I was just trying to do what I do for the fans, and that's that was it. They literally had him kill his own heat out of his own mouth. Yep. And you know what he should have done, and not been like a bitch babyface. He literally should have come out the next night and challenged for the world title. Yeah, he, he should have laid out the challenge and been like, you know, I took on all of you, and you're right, one hundred percent. Uh, it, it would like I just act like I want like I want whoever the champion is like I'm the man right now like give me my give me my shot. Every one of you bitches is afraid of me now because you don't you know you don't have what it takes to put me away. Like how hard would that be? But no, they had to kill it and kill it they did. But for the oh, modern they... era, that was for the modern era for me. That's like. That's pinnacle Survivor Series for modern era stuff. Well, that's awesome, and that's pinnacle. Like why I don't watch the WWE because like that match, like literally, I think when you talk about modern era, like his performance in that is like 
that was like all time goat level performance and they they actively shit on it afterwards yeah because he's not that that's what they love to do or what Vince loves to do although I, I don't think that Triple H is much better it's like it, it nothing's organic anymore it's like you could have rode that you could have actually pushed Ziggler as like a much bigger star mm-hmm. which I mean at the end of the day would have helped your bottom line but that wasn't planned like they they didn't view him as that way so you know we won't go that way I mean, like he had his moment that's it Larry Zabisco lived off the Bruno feud for 20 years. You're saying, like... Yeah. He, he like, and, and, I mean, he rightfully did. Like, he was excellent in that. Like, Ziggler should have lived off of this for, like... That should have made his career. Like, he should have been able to rest on that for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they ever mentioned it again. If he, If his career had been built from that point on as the guy that you can never be sure you put away. Like that one guy who always has the puncher's chance and you always have to watch out because you think you got him and you go for that pin and then all of a sudden you're rolled up and you're done and you don't know what happened. Like, you could... Like, that's the thing. If he's always got that in his back pocket, then yeah, you... Don't hurt him as bad. If he does lose, honestly, he loses. But he, you, if everyone is constantly looking over their shoulder for that, if everyone's constantly worried about that happening to them, then he's consistently a threat, and you can always have, always have him be in a place to be a credible challenger. And you could tell, like, I think he kind of gave up after oh, yeah. that. Yeah, he, he he read the writing on the wall. Well, that's why. Like, I think he had greatness after that, but like he was never the same after they like botched that. Because I think he just realized like it didn't matter. Well, that's why people, people he got obviously this year he got released by the WWE, and there are lots of people who think that once his non his, his you know his uh, his no compete clause is up, that he's going go to go to AEW, um, and that's not. Uh, ridiculous thing to assume because his brother works there mm-hmm. uh and i i hate to be unfair to him because i actually do like ziggler and i think he you know it, it should should have been more uh than what he was like he had a lot i mean he had like a we've kind of talked about him on the podcast before in yeah. relation to other people but it's like he was like with the WWE for like i think like 17 years or something oh, silly yeah. like that yeah, had to survive the Spirit Squad. And remember, do you remember how he got his start on the main roster? Uh, wasn't he like Kerwin White's caddy? Or yes, he was. Yeah. He was. He was. He was the caddy for one of the most racist gimmicks they did on the main roster in the modern era. Yeah. Well, I, they just hit. Uh, I think they just. It was just the like anniversary, like the last day or so of Eddie Guerrero passing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wish I remember, but it, like he passed away like 18 years ago, and it's like God damn yeah. how how time has flown. But yeah. like Ziggler was 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 around. Anniversary like fuck Colin Cowherd and his racist fucking ass like yeah for what he said about that like fuck you dude. Mm. But Ziggler was around like, uh, well not as Ziggler, but he was around like around then or something. So he he was with WWE a long time, but. 
Uh, there are people who are like, oh, he's going to go to AEW. And it's like, uh, I like Ziggler, but I don't really see the need for Ziggler and AEW. Because unless you get, like, again, unless you get 2014 Ziggler, uh, yeah. which he's, that's, you know, nine years ago. Like, the guy's in his 40s now. Like, I don't know if you're going to get that guy, even if you wanted to be, like, motivated. Uh, I don't know about hiring him. I, if you were to hire I, him, if you were to hire him, sorry for any fans out there. Like you need to just get rid of the Hardys. Uh, they take yeah. up too much time, and they I I don't I don't begrudge Tony Khan from signing them, but I think that both of them, regarding like the Hardys like level of what they have left to give, it's like they should not be. I would I would I would just get rid of Jeff Hardy outright, and then I would I would keep. I would give Matt like an agent slash office slash booking job. Maybe. I mean, but, in but ring, like entering. No, no. But I mean, I, I think, though, if if I was a certain uh, Billy Pumpkins, I might <laughs> pull the dump truck of money up to Dolph Ziggler to try and get him in the NWA. Uh, get, like, I mean, we could we could joke about that. But honestly, uh, with the most recent uh WWE releases. I actually think the company that, in theory, would stand to gain the most for that would be like Impact. I don't know if Impact is, yeah. I guess, rebranding to TNA. I'm going back to TNA. Um, I, there are guys there. It's like I would give money to because I think like they would fit in your, in the Impact or TNA like microcosm. Because uh, I don't think like I I personally don't think Ridge Holland, or uh, Rick Boogs are good. But I think in the context of, of Impact, like, or TNA, like, they they probably fit in fine. I mean, you... I think, I think, I think, I think, like, for someone like Rick Boogs, like, I think Impact is the perfect place to go because mm-hmm. they will find something, like, dumb and entertaining. Yeah. Like, they have, not that I, I've ever necessarily cared for him, but I felt like, I felt like they have made Heath Slater... Oh, he's good there. Like, he's like he's he fits well there, and he has a role there, and I think he's he's perfectly fine there. So, yeah, he's like, like him. big like vet like mainstay like um, gatekeeper there. Yeah. He's absolutely yeah. like absolutely perfectly. He's perfectly placed in that promotion. But they've, they've taken, like, total stiffs that, like, I didn't think much of in, like, um, WWE or anywhere else. Like, he's not he's still not my favorite, but, like, Steve Macklin's, like, okay. I think they've uh, gotten... He's fine. Uh, he's fine. Like, J- John Hendry, like, they've gotten, like... I oh, Joe Hendry? Think, yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, who... Oh, God, who is the, uh... Who's, the, like, the New Japan star? Uh, <sighs> Got them in their little like snapping like thing was, or even um, even um, Trinity's like Trinity's been like showing that WWE should have gotten rid of her. Oh, she has come off as like a legit star there. Yeah, like oh. I, she she legitimately there looks better than like half of the like not even half like three fourths of the women on the WWE roster that they kept over her. Like oh. She's looked better than. Yeah, uh, Yuya Yumura. Uh, yeah, probably 
pronouncing that wrong, but he was uh, he was on Excursion Impact where he he worked. He actually just got you know quote unquote fired from Impact, and uh, they did a Feaster fired uh, match, and he he got the briefcase that he was fired. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's like he just his Excursion ended. He left Impact uh, and just joined the Just Five Guy stable that's you know headed by Sonata. So like that's big. Like he's probably going to be like. You know, he's not, I think he's not as far along as some of the other young lions or young guys in New Japan. Uh, but I do think he's he, it, it's promising for him. And I do think he's improved. But I they only did it briefly at the end. But he did form a tag team in impact with Joe Hendry called. Uh, so it's Joe Hendry and Yuya Yumura. But they they their tag team name was. Joya, so J O Y A, like it's obviously a portmanteau of both their names together, and they would come out and they did, they had like little they had a little song and they would, it was like a time thing where it's like, you know, a portion of the song is like crescendo and it's like yeah and like throw their arms up in like a sequence like a choreographed sequence and it was so ridiculously dumb but at the same time so honestly endearing that it's yeah. like this is the dumb shit that Impact does but it winds up being fun and it's like oh, okay <laughs> like you laugh and it's like all right well you know what i like this this is stupid but it's entertaining and impact yeah. does that like for a lot of a lot of guys and a lot of stuff but like like i said trinity's like really i mean she's proven a lot of people wrong like wwe will mm-hmm. never bring her back but like you know her in-ring work i always thought she was way better than she had any right to be um, she's always tried hard, but like she's proven like she can be a star on her own. I uh, I I've traditionally not been a fan of Trinity. I I, I didn't buy the hype about her. I will say that uh, I'm glad to be pleasantly surprised and proven wrong. I felt like she had come <laughs> off like a star. I felt she's had she's been much better than I feel I have given her credit for. Uh, I'm still uh. I'm so curious. Like, I think she's fit well with Impact. Like, I think she's done well. I don't know what they're paying her, but I'm still suspicious that maybe she's, like, biding time. Because I think that's what some people do in Impact. Like, I think some people buy time uh, and then maybe go elsewhere. Like, it would not... It would not necessarily surprise me in 2024 if you see her go to AEW... And I, I base that only because like she's so closely tied to Mercedes Monet, and I feel like Mercedes is likely going to land in AEW. I don't know if that's for sure, but I would not. Impact, I think that that's the that's the play. Impact is where so Impact and they, they I think they realize this, and like I think that's why they do so much better. Is Impact? I think rightfully knows they're the place you go if you're trying to get a gig with the big leagues. And you're mm-hmm. trying to go and show that you are like Ethan. That's what Ethan Page did. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why Josh Alexander hasn't moved up yet, but it's, it's really good to prove yourself. But it's also really good if you're coming off like a WWE run and you need to get like the stink of their creative off of you. Mm. Well, I think that they it's both ways. It's 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 those guys who I guess. Well, I'll say it's three ways. It's yeah, the guys who like they're biding their time kind of trying to get a, either a big WWE or AEW contract, or it's like younger guys, indie guys who they're just trying to make a name for themselves, get on TV, or it's guys who were in AEW or WWE 
or even like who haven't been but are just content being like you know the big fish in a smaller pond who just signed contracts you know like and i think that i think it's where moose and josh alexander are because i actually feel like i actually feel moose could would probably fit okay in the wwe i feel josh alexander would fit well in aew but i think that they both decided like we can get like decent contracts and in impact and and you know work here for like two three years and then reassess i will i will say so well there's also a fourth one there's like the mike bailey's of the world that just mm. are lacking a certain tool where they're never going to catch on with like a national company and that's like the height they're, they're going to get you bailey so, i think it's great i just think i don't think I, he's in a big company though i just don't think he has enough charisma to like i think he's even He's a really good worker. I think he's talented enough that he could, in in a place like AEW that obviously cherishes like work rate, I do think that he could he could do quite well. He'd get over. Um, but I don't start, think no, no hate, no hate yeah. towards fellow uh, my my our our beloved Canadian friend of the show, Justin. Hmm. <laughs> but Mike Bailey is very Quebecois, so like whenever you see him like you hear him give like an interview, it's like oh you're like real French Canadian. So I don't know how well that would translate, but, um, you know, I do think he could get over, but I'm having, he, maybe he also wants to be like, do whatever. Cause I mean, he just, he works in impact. He also works indies. Uh, he, I think he gets to set his own schedule. Uh, he just wrestled in, uh, in what Dave Meltzer gave a five-star match at the Meltzer's star ratings. I still didn't meet as much nowadays, but he just gave, he had a five-star match with Will Ospreay. Yeah. Which I actually I bought that. Say. I think I bought that that Impact pay-per-view, which it was one of the ones that... Uh, they do, like, their main pay-per-views, which are, like, 40 bucks. But their lesser ones that they do monthly are, like, 10 bucks. And it's, like, I think that was the $10 one. So that's that's well but, worth yeah, So they have, they have four a year that, like, are a standard pay-per-view price. And then they have the $10 ones. But the $10 ones are stupid to buy because... Um, they usually do this monthly, but if you pay eight dollars for Impact Plus, you get the ten dollar pay per views. That is true. That's uh, true. So. I I don't have that subscription. Um, so if you if you if you're if you're listening to this, you ever think about getting one of the ten dollar pay per views? Just get the just get yeah. the stream because all the TV and back catalogs on there. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, actually, speaking of Moose, that is one of the worst mess ups that ROH made as they they did not push him like all the way to the top and give him the title. That was like one of the dumbest things they ever did. Cause I remember I went to the show and this is like right when my interest died in them. This was like 2015. I think, I think Jay lethal was the champion, but they did this like oh. end of the show thing. And like the survivors were like, it was like a, it was like a survivor series, but the, the survivors, it was Dalton castle and moose on one side and it was Roderick Strong and Jay Lethal on the other side. And then they just beat Moose and, and Dalton Castle like and they both survived. And I was like, oh yeah, like they're not like they're not a serious company about like moving forward. But it's funny like the the funny thing is though, like if you've ever been to an indie show when Moose was doing indies, like he would always just wander around in the crowd. Uh, Every crowd ever uh, went to Moose on there. 
I'm laughing because I heard Sad just uh, Shad just do a big sigh where he's trying to redirect us to. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Well, I was trying to get a word in because you brought yeah. up something that I actually really appreciate um, a Survivor Series match can do and could have done for Ziggler, but something that a Survivor Series match always had potential to do was that was a place where you could debut a new person and have them make a big splash straight away. So, for example, when AEW was debuting Mariah May and people were mad because it was in a, a, a backstage interview, it's like, look, I'm not convinced you want to throw her out in front of a live crowd because not enough people are going to know who it is. So like that, that my, my problem with that complaint is, though, people need to realize and not be terminally online. It's like no one knows who she is. Yeah. Like, I even watched Yoshi, and I really didn't know who she was until, like, right around the time they started talking about signing her. Then, like, I kind of figured out who she is. But, like, I even know, like, really obscure the one, like, like Tikla, like, I know who she is. And, like, no one knows, you know, you have to watch Yoshi to know her. But, like... That's when they complain about this stuff. It's like, no one knows who Mariah May is. Like, literally. Even, like, super online people don't know who Mariah May is. So like, so you just can't by, just throw her out there. Yeah, by doing that introduction, fine. I don't have a problem with that. If there was a Survivor Series-type setup, then in the build-up to it, 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 whoever was the team captain could have said, you know what? I, I figured, you know, looking at you, the, you know, your team... I was going to get a secret weapon. I was going to get someone you were not familiar with. So I went and called over to a company in Japan. And I called on a secret weapon, someone to come over here. And that person is going to be, you know, Mariah May. And then what you do in the course of the match is you just have her kick ass. Did you um? Did you maybe pay a certain bodyguard to go dig a grave up? <laughs> yeah, that I mean, that's pretty exactly what they did with the Undertaker. Um, well, you know, you have to say it right. He wasn't the Undertaker when he debuted. He, he was, was Kane, Kane the yep. Undertaker. Yes, you're 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 yeah. right. And he was he was brought out by Ted DiBiase with well, Brother it, Love, it, I think. Oh God, Brother Love with him. Yeah, Brother Love managed him for a bit. I think at least the first TV tapings, like I've seen, I've seen at least that far. But I think they switched to Paul Bearer pretty quick. But my point is, you have a way of either debuting a new star, starting a new push, or building credibility in some someone you want to do something with by just having them. Just you, you've got the Survivor Series set up, and you go, now look, here's how the ending is going to go. But you, it, here, it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grab this. If we're gonna make Roman look strong, but not, not just have him win. If we're gonna make him look strong, then what you do is you have a Survivor Series match, and you just have him go out there and tune the hell out of the entire other team. And when you do that, he, or he gets a, he gets like a fluky win over. Like, let's say as a heel, he gets, like, a fluky... Like, let's say someone nails John Cena with something and then Roman Spears and pins him. Like, so he gets to pin John Cena in a lower-stakes situation where he gets the rub. Yeah. But 
it's you know a little lower stakes there are there are ways to build somebody through a match like that similar to how you could with the Royal Rumble but not it wouldn't be as complicated to do it and therefore you can say okay we're going to start doing something with this guy this year and we're going to start you know we want to get him into a mid-card title match at Mania and push beyond that so at Survivor Series this year we're going to have um it's going to it's going to be down to 3 on 1 at the end and we're going to have this guy come out on on top you know we're going to have him be cagey, we're going to have him be smart, we're going to have him be good, or we're just going to have him, you know, just go crazy and, and run wild on everybody. However you want to do it. But there's lots of, there could be lots of potential to do that sort of stuff. The problem with doing it in uh, WWE's War Games, because it's hard to call it War Games with a straight face, because it's not the same thing. I don't know, I need to, you know... Like Are they going to have a top to this 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 war games uh, match we're having for Survivor Series 2023? I doubt it, right? Uh, I doubt it. War games. War game. Maybe Battle Yahtzee is a better better name. I'm not sure. Uh, I'll have to think about that. But in that, you're going to have these big crazy spots and these people doing the bro. No, and it's like you're not going to have the same kind of opportunity because where it's in your tornado format and everybody back and forth, you don't have give one one person does not have in the format the same kind of chance to shine. I am not saying it can't be done. I am saying it is not as good a platform to do it in. And you know that's that's something I like about it. it I remember one of those one of those good old middle school sleepovers. What was the strategy for playing Survivor Series matches? Pick the Undertaker. Pick anybody else you want. Pick the Undertaker and use the Undertaker to eliminate everybody. Because for some reason, in that whatever game it was we were playing, Undertaker was really good at eliminating people. Um, was that one weird, like Mortal Kombat-y version? It was like not the, the that one with. <clears throat> it was not that one where you saw the Undertaker do the Demon Dizzy, but. Wait, it, which one was it? Where he, was that the one where he used the tombstone, or was that like a later one? That, that's that's the one where he used the tombstone. I'm pretty sure, but it was a. I think it was an acclaimed game, but it was it wasn't quite so cartoony. I think. Um, but in any event, there's a lot you can do with a Survivor Series match, and. You know, you start out with the guy you like the best, and if he gets eliminated, you go to the guy you like next best, and that sort of stuff. You know, lot, there's lots of fun compositions you can do. You can weave multiple feuds through it, and you can have it be a platform for something big and new, or, you know, a big new push, or, you know, igniting interest in someone, stuff. Or even, like, novelty, like, oh, hey, look, it's Hulk Hogan and Tito Santana, like, teaming. Yes, or getting people in the ring that are never in the ring otherwise. Just to, to take exactly what you just said, Brad. Hogan and T Tito teaming. Or Hogan and Tino facing off in the ring. Because that never happens. Or, oh, look, Hogan and uh, the Warlord. Which, um, you know, wouldn't necessarily happen. Right. But it gives you an opportunity. And the other nice thing about a Survivor Series match is if it's a big major show... 
It's a way to get more people on the card so more people get a good payday, right? Well, and I think it's nice. I think it's nice, like, when it was, like, a one-off thing. Like, I think sometimes it's nice just to break the monotony and do something different that maybe doesn't necessarily have, like, a lot of stakes. It's just kind of for fun. It feels like that sometimes just the aspect of having something fun on a wrestling show gets lost on people. Like, I know... What were you going to say? I was going to say, yeah, there's a definite, like, you know how they call, like, the NFL the no fun league sometimes? I feel like that's, like, WWE especially can be, like, the no fun league. There, mm-hmm. I, I was going to put it on some fans because I was going to like, there are some fans that need everything to be, you know, badass McAss kick. And it's like, no, it is okay to have, that's part of why I love Dark Order. Dark Order, every member of Dark Order can work. Every member of Dark Order is great in the ring. Every member of Dark Order can also be really funny, too, and have fun. They can do any of those things, and they're not afraid to do it. So... Talk about that, though. It's like, just, you have to have variety. And, like, if you go to a show, if you go to a show that's, like, three or four hours, like, by the end of it, you've already seen everything multiple times. Like, sometimes you need someone to come out and, like, play grab ass with someone yeah. to like lighten the mood up or like just give you something different to look at. Yeah. And everybody likes to laugh. So if you're having a survivor series, look, there is no way there is no way I haven't even watched this match, but there is no way that you're going to get me to believe that, um, Jerry Lawler's King in his court versus Bret Hart's whatever, where it was, Lawler versus Hart and the minis back up or something like that. Am I remembering properly? I think so. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna convince me that that's being like super serious. It's you're having some fun, and I mean, damn it, have some fun with your wrestling sometime. And Survivor Series is a good way to do that. That was one of my favorite um, parts of Foley's first book is when he was talking about how. Uh, the the infamous bad matches he and Owen Hart would have, especially if they were trying to crack <laughs> that pulled up. And I think the one he talked about is the one where it blew up in his face where Owen like pummeled him with like a giant bag of popcorn or yeah. something. Yeah, that's what's in there. <laughs> like, because it, it wasn't Owen Hart versus Cactus. It was Owen Hart versus Dude Love. And so they're having a a hardcore match but a silly hardcore match. And that's fun. And it's funny to watch. And I mean, I told you, I told, I've told the story right here, but I got out of wrestling for a good number of years after the Benoit murders and someone somewhere, I was reading the message board and they had this gif and I've sent it to Matt Chad since and I still have the Chikar on DVD. But I actually started watching wrestling again because someone had a gif of Chuck Taylor coming down a children's like twisty slide. (laughs) And as soon as he hits the bottom, like Ultraman is black, just chops him right in the chest as he like gets to the bottom. And I laughed my butt off and I'm like, I have to see this show. I was it's, it's weird, but I was thinking about this yesterday. One of the matches I wish God, I wish I had it on video. But one of the most fun matches I ever had in a ring, 
I was working against a guy named John Noble, who by all rights should have been signed to a major company, but they gave him the old horseshit excuse where it's like, well, you're too small to be a heavyweight, but you don't fly like a lightweight. It's like, oh, God, never mind. And it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a damn shame. John Noble and I went out there and goofed off for a match. You know, we're, we go out there and we start off doing normal stuff. And I was a lot taller than him, so we do stuff. And then, you know, I just kind of throw him off. And he'd get mad and stomp around about it. And then we get going. And in the course of the match, we start doing the, uh, the crisscross running the rope spot. And we do it about twice. And I stop and roll out of the ring. And I walked over to the, uh, I walked over to the the rope line, and I, I turned to one of the uh, the wrestlers' wives. I was like, "Give me, your, give me, your, give me a drink." I took a bottle of water, and he's still running back and forth in the ring while I'm standing there at ringside watching him. And he collapses in the middle of the ring and looks over and goes, "Where's he at?" And I just held up the bottle of water and I was like, "Cheers, bud!" And like gave it back to her and rolled in. And then we do the same thing again, except he rolls out. And whenever I roll out, I stand up behind him and he backs into me and does like the Bugs Bunny feel up the body, like all the way up to my face and then stops and goes, oh no. Like we just goofed off for a whole match and it was fun and the building loved it. And when I put my ankle lock on, the whole building is cheering for it. You know, have some fun, damn it. That's how R.D. Evans got a job in Ring of Honor because he went to the tryouts and they were they were having them do like a top rope spot. He said, all these guys were trying to do all these cool moves off the top rope. So it's my turn. And I realize the ceiling's low. So I go up there, I hit my head on the ceiling and crotch myself on the top <laughs> rope. And I got the job. I did something different. <laughs> but I mean, it's true though. Like if you're sitting there and you have 20 guys and you have to hire a couple of them. Like you're going to remember that. Yeah. Not only did he do something different, but he was perceptive enough to realize he needed to. Yeah. Uh, so, actually, there's a funny. It was, I think it was. Oh, who was it? They were wrestling, but there was something, and like Kevin Steen came out, and they had said something, and he's like, and he said some things. And he's like, and another thing, like they're called cufflinks, you jackass. <laughs> I don't know why that stuck with me for like a decade. So, speaking of goofy stuff in Survivor Series, Brad did threaten us with this earlier. <clears throat> the infamous egg. <laughs> yes. How do you, how was, do you describe this to a newer fan? Well, it's Hector Guerrero in a... In a chicken costume called the Gobbledygooker. What was really the point of it? I don't know. They did like promos and stuff with him for like TV taping afterwards. So I don't know if they actually thought they were going to use him like as a wrestler. I don't think so. I think. I don't know because it's like. Because like really, like if you go back and watch it, I think it goes on for like an obnoxiously long time and like mean G dances with him and stuff. Like I. I think it, I think like I think if he had just come out like of the egg and danced around a bit and like thrown candy out to the kids, it would have been okay. I think it just they just did. It's a typical Vince thing where I think he just 
did too much with it. I know the the legend was that supposedly the egg was going to be the debut of Mark Calloway. And I've heard him talk about it, as, debut as the Eggman. But I'm like, okay, I don't know if that was a rib that they were playing on him or what, but there's no way that gimmick's going to work. There's no way. You know what they should have done is they should have had, do you remember, do you remember the Simpsons Halloween episode where they were turning into zombies? Like it should have been like when Sideshow Bell popped out of the present and attacked Krusty. It should have been like EG, like going up to it. Undertaker like comes out and like bites him and turns him into a zombie. (laughs) (laughs) The Undertaker debuted the same night, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, he did. That's the same Survivor Series. Okay, yeah. it's the same it's... one. So if you had had yeah. The Undertaker do his debut earlier in the night, and then, no, I think you would have killed his aura to have him come out of that stupid egg. Yeah, no, I mean, that. yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't know how you could have pulled off doing something like that and not killed whoever came out of it. Hmm. I mean, the best answer is, don't do it. But the second best, honestly, the gobbledygooker is probably the second best. If you're going to do it, that's probably the best thing to do. No, I actually think, I actually think, I mean, it is Russell crap, but I mean, like, I think having a nothing come out of it, like, it's still like people still talk about it and like, you didn't kill anyone with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, he came, I mean, I think he was in that, that WrestleMania 17 rumble. Oh, the the uh, the the um, WrestleCraft Battle Royal. It wasn't yeah. named that, but okay, yeah. The one where like Jim Cornette and I think Bruce Pritchard were just like, "Hey, we're just gonna like roll around in the corner and not do anything and get a paycheck." And then the Sheik won because he couldn't take the. He couldn't, but he couldn't take a bomb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's the only reason. Think, baby. I think, yeah, because I think people. I think Slaughter should have won, but you know, Sheiky couldn't. Couldn't go over the top. Yeah. I almost feel like they should have... I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. This happened, like, 20 years ago, 20-plus years ago. But you could have just, like, had guys at the bottom, and, like, you just, like, clotheslined him out. He could have gone over. They would have caught him. But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's fine. I get, You know, for what it was, okay. the winner doesn't really matter. Oh, they actually... Bring, um, they actually did bring Hector in to be the gooker for that. Yes. <laughs> so it was Iron Sheik defeats Brother Love, Bushwhacker Butch, Bushwhacker Luke, Doink, Duke, Drozzy, Earthquake, Billy Jim, Jim Cornette, Kamala, Kim Chi, Michael Hayes, Nikolai Volkov, Repo Man. Sergeant Slaughter, the Gobbledygooker, the Goon, One Man Gang, and Tugboat. You know, Cage Match really pisses me off. More people need to rate him, but they have Bill Irwin rated as like a 2.4, and that's just straight up garbage. They have what rated as? Bill Irwin. Bill oh, Irwin. Wow. Irwin, who is the Goon. No. Uh, it's like, no. It. Too many like people a... who are regarding that one gimmick as the totality of his career. 
Yeah, I mean, he's a he was a territory guy forever. Like he, like we watched him in the GWF, and he was like a super competent worker. Yeah, he absolutely was. So, all right, what else? The Survivor Series. What else? Like stands out. What else is like? Um, that has the infamous Undertaker beating Hogan for the title, which leads to that Tuesday in Texas that we reviewed mm-hmm. a number of years ago now. Yeah, that was pretty far back. Then I think was the big boss man nails uh face off in a Survivor series. Oh uh that's hmm. Look this up. That have been like the 90, not 93, because I think he was gone by then. 92, maybe? Let's find out. Yeah, Survivor uh, Series 92. The Montreal Street Survivor Series. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. Um. Well, I had, uh, I blocked, <laughs> I had blocked that, uh, Boss Man. Boss Man Nails? Nails match out of my mat out of my uh, my memory. I I what, we, what was the uh, what was the promotion that we reviewed like like three years oh, ago? Um, the AWF. Yes, like I, I I still maintain that that was like the the best use of nails I've ever seen, where he just like showed up and mauled mauled the guy, and in like a I, two minute match, and if you call it a match, and that was it. Like if if he had if it was the modern, I I said this back in the day we did that podcast but i maintain it it's like if if this was his gimmick uh showing up mauling someone for like two three two three minutes like that was it like he he gets super over like you couldn't actually like have him do a mash like he he was terrible yeah like there are guys that the guys employed by the wwe who are garbage like omos who like would wrestle circles around nails mm-hmm. but nathan uh, jones he, would wrestle circles around nails probably and I don't think Nathan Jones could wrestle in a circle. No, I mean, the only thing I remember about Nathan Jones was, um, I remember, like, when he got hired. I, someone, I think it was on a forum we posted on, made a, made a joke that they just hired him for catering because there were rumors that he had abused steroids to the point that he was lactating. Oh, God. And I remember someone said, like, made a joke after that that they just hired him to, like, for catering purposes. I I remember they did some like really cool promos for him. But then Yeah, and then he remember they had to retape reshoot his debut on um on SmackDown because he went to do like a spin kick and fell on his ass. Yes, he did. Oh, he fell on his ass. <laughs> You know, I will, I will, I will give um, Voldemort credit. He did get a solid match out of Nathan Jones. Okay. I don't, I don't remember that. I, I uh, don't remember it, but it. I'm not saying that you're wrong. Actually, speaking of Survivor Series, I need to look that year up. Uh, there was a year where they had like him and like Matt Morgan and like every like worthless Haas like on the same team. Yes, I remember that. And I also remember that Matt Morgan, it was strange because it was a time... 
stuttering gimmick. Yeah, he he was a good talker, and they gave him a stuttering gimmick. And it's like, why why would you why would you do that? Seriously, why would you do that? But okay, they so did that. The match was Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, John Cena, Hardcore Holly, and Bradshaw beat Brock Lesnar, Big Show, Matt Morgan, Nathan Jones, and A Train. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. this is 2003. So this is like Kane beats Shane McMahon in an ambulance match. Like, this is when they unmasked Kane and he got like hot for a minute. And then Shane McMahon, like, totally. Um, oh, cooled it off. Yeah, and, and that still has my favorite angle, though, which I wish it had been for real, is where Kane, like, shocked Kane's balls with, like, car battery. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was getting ready to say, you're going for the car battery, aren't you? Well, remember, I mean, there was great humor, though, because I also laughed my ass off when he fireballed Jim Ross in that interview. Yeah. I, um, I remember, like, they were... God, so long ago. But I remember, like, when, when, uh, didn't, uh, Kane set Jim, set JR on fire? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and, and that was supposed to obviously supposed to be this big dramatic thing. I remember, like, thinking the absurdity of it was so hilarious that I literally saw that and I burst out laughing. And I was like, this is the most, like, ridiculous, fucked up thing I've ever seen. The only thing funnier was, like, Heidenreich raping Michael Cole. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I still laugh at that just because I hate Michael Cole. So, like, him suffering is... But that was, like, around the time where Gene Snicks, uh, Snitsky got oh. over for allegedly causing, like, a miscarriage of Lita. And saying Lita it, it's baby. not my fault. Yeah, and then and then he had, like, some sort of uh, backstage, like, uh, interaction with Heidenreich. And Heidenreich quoted... <laughs> Heidenreich gave the infamous line, to Snitsky, oh, I like what you do with babies. <laughs> and it's like, what? Yeah. I know, the odds were like a wild time. It was a really, like, really weird time. Was that yeah. while Heyman was running SmackDown? Uh, there was a lot of dumb shit know. on. That was that was peak Heyman, where like SmackDown was just fucking awful with stupid stuff like the. Uh, <laughs> But at the same time, it was also really cool because you had the SmackDown 6 stuff. Yeah, that carried the show while you had dumb shit that Heyman, like, would tell, like, the dirt sheets that he didn't book, like, Don Marie killing Al Wilson. Oh, yes. Fucking <laughs> and then, did they, didn't they get in a fight at, like, the funeral and, like, something happened with the body or something? Yes, yes. I, I remember... Seeing the that that vignette where Don Marie finds out that Al Wilson is dead and laughing and laughing because it was so dumb. Yeah, and laughing. Still peak WWE though, and I it's still I, I'm gonna say it's unironically still my favorite moment of all time is Big Boss Man. <laughs> oh god and big show like dragging behind it yeah i knew that was coming i knew that was, right that was coming pepper too, wasn't it? what's that i said that was like an all-time run because i think he did that right after he killed pepper 
I think you're right, yeah. And Big Show was the heavyweight champion at the time. No, he won the big he won the heavyweight title like after this. Oh, did he? Okay. They made sure to get him nice and cold before like you know. Well, okay. A belt. But still. And then I was just looking at other ones. So like this this one like is Eddie Guerrero, Big Show, John Cena, and Rob Van Dam beat Kurt Angle, Carlito, Luther Reigns, and Mark Jindrak with Jesus? And the question was, yeah, cause I, I think I God remember that it happened. That's all I got. Yeah, that's all I got. Oh, wow. Tyson Tomko. Wow, I forgot that guy was a thing. Oh, wow. Oh, Travis Tomko. Yeah. Okay, my my only Tomco thing that I remember was Christian looking at him going, Tomco, drop the beat. And he goes, no. <laughs> oh, wow. Speaking of Snitsky, so this one is, this is the same year as those two, but it's Randy Orton, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Maven beat Triple H, Batista, Edge, and Gene Snitsky with Ric Flair. So Maven has a win over Triple H and Ric Flair. No, uh, Ric Flair was just managing. Oh. He was just out there. Okay. Wow, how long did... They had him on the roster for like five years. Maven? No, Snitsky. Oh. I think there was a large stretch of that where he was not on TV. Maven didn't last that long. Maven's, like, obnoxious on YouTube, though. I try to watch some of his stuff, and he's a little too try-hard for me. Yeah, I don't... I think he's doing okay, but his delivery does seem a bit too... Forced. Something. It's... it. It. I have not figured out the word for it yet, but it does seem a little too... Like he's trying to be a little too polished... I felt bad for him. He talked about how that uh, tough enough contract paid out. And that was really shitty. Yeah, he, he not not real well. No, because he said like technically that's what it paid out, but it paid out like over some like absurd length of time, where so you essentially got nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know he was also getting paid so little and still having you know to cover. All your transportation and your lodging and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, guys, did we have any other Survivor Series thoughts we wanted to dig into? Um, I'm trying to think because I feel like I feel like they kind of come and go with the gimmick now. Mm-hmm. Than they used to. Like I said, I I think it's kind of a who cares show recently. I mean, I guess. We could talk about how Keith Lee got super over and they didn't do anything with him um, the one year. What did he do that year? Because I, I honestly don't remember. He was just on Team NXT, and I think he just kind of caught on. Oh, okay. All right. What year was that? Yeah. Uh, 21, maybe? No, it was 2019. Because that would have been right at the start of the Wednesday Night Wars. Because then he would have come up 2020. 
Yeah, that's the right timeline. Jesus. Dude, I'm going to look at my game. look. 2019. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. That was Team SmackDown versus uh, defeated Team Raw and Team NXT. Uh, but it also had, like, Adam Cole versus Pete, Pete Dunne. Oh, God. Uh, is on the match for the NXT. That was... Oh, Roderick Strong defeated AJ Styles and Nakamura. That was like that was really weird because that was like the time period where they had like a, I think they had an Adam Cole, uh, Daniel Bryan match. Oh, that's think, right. Like it was like weird because it's like for for a brief period like NXT like literally for like a month, like NXT was like running roughshod on people. It's like oh my god, NXT is like taking over. And then they banned that like immediately after like Survivor Series. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because they think they did that to try and like beat AEW in the ratings and then it didn't work. Yeah. But uh, that's like crazy because that was 2019. Like that's, we're now going on four years from that. Mm-hmm. I just and remember that Keith Lee, like, is, they gave him those god awful tight, those god awful shorts on the main roster. Oh, yeah. and he was going to be the Bearcat. Managed oh. by Budge. <laughs> Muff Flanagan. The, the whole Budge thing is stuck in my head. It's never going away. And I'm not sure I want it to. <laughs> I still don't... You know what I still don't understand is why they let go of Stokely. I don't... I mean, he... I think he he went, like, had... He, was, he like, committed himself to a psychiatric hospital that's how like oh wow just over like that's how like mentally like they broke him down like he didn't want to be there anymore so i mean you're right like they should like he's a talent so you can say in the abstract it's like well why they let him go but it's also like that dude uh, he found like that environment so terrible that he didn't want to be there anymore that's mm. what i understand like when people like Meltzer talks about their strategy to get all these young guys like you don't think all these NXT guys aren't going to like spread that around and a lot of people are going to decide that's not for them. Yeah. Also, Oakley, Oakley might have my spot of the year. Him and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I, think so. I don't know at this point, but like, so Joe has someone and he, he, he tags Malcolm, well, Stokely in. Stokely comes off the top rope and Joe just. They're tag partners, and Joe pulls the guy away, and Stokely <laughs> dies, and Joe puts like the Kikita clutch on while Stokely's just dead. <laughs> Stokely crashed and, then, and burned so horribly. But it wasn't it wasn't like your typical missed like uh, missed a top rope move kind of spot. Like he did like he did like crumpled. Yeah, he just. He hit and crumpled and stayed there. Like feigning goat, like crumpled. Yeah. <laughs> God, you're such a dick. Well, and I, I love that anytime Stokely gets in the ring, he's got, it's actually like a very Jim Cornettish attire because he's got like the full body suit on. Mm-hmm. And... He's Stokely is so good at being such a little dick too. As, you know who else I this year though 
What's up? I mean, AW does have good managers, but man, Prince Nana getting to do his deal on like the big stage. Like, I love him so much. He's such a goof. Doing the dance. Uh, yeah, his dance got like super over. And then Swerve proving just how clever he is by stopping him from doing the dance to get heat one night. Mm-hmm. Well, and Nana, like, I think he slept on because he doesn't, like, look like a star and, like, he has an accent and stuff, but he really knows how to, like, be a good manager. Uh, the, uh, I know it's, like, you have to be, like, an AEW fan, you have to be, like, very online, but the, uh, when he was on, was it, was it, wasn't he on, like, AEW with uh, RJ City? The whole embassy was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and like him, his interaction, it's like you can see how much charisma this guy has, and he was yeah. hilarious in that. Like, he's a guy, it's like he he apparently, like, I guess recently signed a, a contract, so he's, like, with, with Tony Khan, like, for a, a longer-term contract. So he's, uh, I think he's hopefully getting paid uh, decently, but it's like, yeah, like, that's a guy you want because he, he has a ton of charisma, like, he that's who you want on your roster. Like you want a guy that is, has a lot of charisma who can actually like, if you give him the mic, like he, he's funny, he's witty. And he's it, stooge. Yeah. And, and he, yeah, he, he, he understands like the assignment going out there as a manager. Like, he can get himself over. He can get the guy over. Like it's, it's, he's fun. Like that's, it's value added. That's what you want for your company. Like, but you he a guy, doesn't get himself over at the cost of somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. He's like an ad. He's like, he's the flavor. It's like, I actually think Swerve, it's a lot, right now there's a ton online, the online wrestling fans, there's a ton of like, the agenda is Swerve to be the guy who will potentially dethrone uh, MJF. And maybe that, that'll be the case. Like, they obviously, Swerve is obviously I, being built I, up I, to where he's going, he's going to be like one of the top heels in 2024, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I think like Nana with him has added a lot to both both the acts. The problem is though, like, um, I think Swerve should be, but I also think like Jay White is really like Bullet Club Gold is really on fire, and like I think I'm down for like Bullet Club Gold versus the Embassy for 2024. Oh man, there are people who absolutely hate Jay White and don't like his work. But I, I, but like of gold is like. Go ahead. Well, no, I was saying like I just, I'm not a big fan of his work, but like they found something that works for him. Like I just, I don't know. Yeah, those the those guys together have found a way to just blend perfectly they it the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and yep. i don't think matt you weren't like a big fan of his until this run either were you jay white yeah uh i thought he was fine uh i didn't dislike him uh if you asked me like i wouldn't be like oh yes i i absolutely want him to be iwgp champion uh but when he signed with aew i was like i was I guess I was concerned, like, well, how are we going to use him? Because, I mean, he technically was, like, world champion elsewhere. So it's like, is he just going to be, like, a mid-card guy? Or what's he going to do? But I, I actually do think he's been used 
very, very well. I think he's been really entertaining. I think Bullet Club, I, I agree with you, Bullet Club Gold, I think, has been, like, super entertaining in AEW um, to the point where I actually, I'm, I'm of the camp that I think that that FTR's tag run has been at best lackluster. I know they just lost, they lost it to Ricky Starks and Big Bill. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, to the point where I'm like, they should have, like, the guns should have never dropped it to them. Because it's like the guns were like, guns are so entertaining now that it's like, I would have been more entertained with them having the belt still. Like, just being like chicken shit heel. Like, I did like, um, I did like Dax and that one woman having an exchange about that. Everyone was like getting their popcorn out and then they just like respectfully interacted with each other and went with their separate ways. And everyone was like visibly disappointed that they didn't get drama. Hmm. <laughs> but I, uh, I've liked Jay white and, uh, I, I've liked him in Velcro gold and AEW. So I do think he's good. I, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily perceive him winning the title. Uh, no, I, gear, but I don't know. I, I do think he's, he's been built up that it's like you going forward. I think you could have him be in like the upper card and you could easily slot him as like a main event heel or at that level. You can put the title on him for a time if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he, they've done well with him so far. I think he's my least favorite member of bullet club gold though, (laughs) because I mean, I think my MVP is juice Robinson. who's really just like on another level right now. Aside from that one misstep, um, Juice has just really been doing great. And I'll... I really, and actually, what I love about Juice, though, is I really love seeing a guy that bet on himself that we were, all, like, everyone thought was crazy for betting on himself, and he proved everyone wrong. And he absolutely seems to be having a blast at work. You get out there, you you watch, just watch the entrance for Bullet Club Gold. And they do the pan around, and Juice is just going ballistic in the middle of it. And it is so much fun to watch. Like, I, I love it. And I mean, there's also Card Blade. Card Blade. And the Ass Boys have been great, too. Like, no, the Ass Boys really have really come into their own, like with Bullet Club Gold. Mm-hmm. I really think, I really think there's something to be said for getting them away from Billy Gunn. Like, I, I don't think like he was holding them back or anything, but I think like actually forcing them to like do their own thing is like been good for them. Mm-hmm. It has. Well, I, the process of splitting them away from him really helped them kind of flourish in that so and i mean dan Housen, like um <laughs> giving them a just utter gift yeah because they leaned into it and it was great yeah definitely but i mean like i also i also wanted to add just because it was a bit of drama that i don't know if that played out more but it was one of those things that seemed dramatic at first, but that I was really refreshed to see like dramatic results. So they took a match off of Rampage, which was was Grand Metallic versus who was it? Commander. Yeah, Commander. Yeah, and Commander. It, like, oh, it refused. They refused the job, and I think Sean Ross Sapp like clarified what happened, and I was like, 
I thought like people were going to blow it out of proportion. I haven't been on social media to see, but so what happened is say you're refusing to do the job and everyone kind of like had an opinion at first, then like there were details. And so what happened was the match changed a bit because of the talent involved. And then grand metallic was like, well, I don't want to do the job if I'm not under contract. And then Tony Khan was like, Oh, I understand that. So they just scrapped the match. And I was like, Oh, like everyone was a mature adult about that because I totally understand a guy that's not under contract, not wanting the job. I think that's totally fair. Yeah, you're asking a lot from him to do that twice in a row like that. It's like, yeah, I... I... And him just saying, look, I, I really don't want to do that, and here's why. And Khan going, eh, that's okay. That's, uh, yeah. you know, we can work around that. Like, I love it. That's... But, you know, Tony Khan doesn't know how to run his No, no, no. Tony, no. He's a uh, dying company. Yeah. So, all right. There was some, it, like, I don't remember who the guy's name is, but he's been, like, he was saying some shit about how they need, like, so much money to, like, make money off of TV. And and I don't, I don't remember his name. It's someone that just gets parroted who's, like, a clown that, um, that, uh, gets, shared around because he says like the shit that the haters like mm. i don't remember his name i think it starts with a b okay uh let me see if i can but yeah uh, i thought that was uh but he was talking about like how much money they needed but and then people were like oh yeah AEW's losing money and not once like did anyone realize that they make more money for international deals than just what like tnt and tbs pays them yeah mm-hmm. yeah and just and just what TNT and TBS pay them is also not anything they get from live or pay-per-view stuff either. So, yeah. All right, I believe our energy levels dropping out, and this we have yes. this episode has theoretically been about Survivor Series. <laughs> Maybe not quite as much, but that's okay. We go where the conversation takes us. Um, what were we doing next time, guys? I think we're we're I think we're doing Survivor Series '88. Okay. We've been kind of back and forth uh, on which one we wanted to do. I think we're gonna do '88 because that has like the big twenty-man Survivor Series. Okay, so a specific specific Survivor Series then. Uh, we'll yeah. get into that next time, but you know, since we're still in November, so. Everybody, thank you for being with us. Uh, Please hit us up on social media. We'd love to hear from you. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.